0: Well, hello, welcome to Sacred and Small. This is episode two of season one. Uh, We just finished uh, recording a little while ago our first episode of uh, what is uh, Sacred and Small, conversations and worship and liturgy. And today uh, we're going to take one of those topics and kind of elaborate more on that. That's a topic that um, you might find boring, but I personally find incredibly engaging and important. Uh, and that is what is liturgy and and how does it, you know, work in this church and in our in our private lives. And so, Jason, I'm just going to throw that out uh, to you again. Here we are. We'll just introduce ourselves again. I'm Jason Hill, nope. pastor of Cape Church of the Nazarene,
1: Cape Girardeau, Missouri, oh. along with our other Jason. I'm Jason Buckwelter, and I'm from Fulton, Missouri. Right. Fulton church and, of Naz- uh, Heartland Church of the Nazarene.
0: Heartland Church of the Nazarene and so yeah jason let's go liturgy what in the world
1: is liturgy it's the stuff you do in the church thing right yes it is it is that it is all of those things it is the um, it is the songs you sing it is the words that you might responsibly read it is communion it is the offering but it is also um well it's, it's also everything else well like I don't know I'm, I'm going off track here but um it's the work of the people things that we do uh not to um, not to tick our boxes or earn anything from God but in response to God's uh grace that he's given us um, and uh yeah it's the things it's the things we do right i mean that's it's, it's
0: interesting to me because I went to a a conference uh, it was a Naz- church of the nazarene conference one of our our uh big you know uh, uh, every four years quadrennial i think that's <laughs> the actual term uh missions conference uh, m m19 uh, m17 m- i think we were yeah. there together weren't we Probably yeah we was. were yeah and i remember i went to uh, a workshop session on liturgy and the, one of the professors who was teaching that particular uh one um what was his name Brent, uh, Brent, uh, from, from Idaho Peterson. Yeah. Brent Peterson. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, so he, he asked, so what is liturgy? And a whole bunch of people answered. And I raised my hand and I said, it's the work of the people in response to God. And he said, oh, you cheated because that's, that's the technical Latin, <laughs> Latin meaning of the word liturgy is the work, right. the work of the people. And I think that's important for us to define exactly how we use these terms because that is – you can think of liturgy in a, in a million different ways. But what we mean, and you said this well, is the work of the people. Right. Right.
1: Well I think I think we have to make sure, like you just said, too, that it's in it's the work in response to God.
0: Yeah. In response to God. Yeah. yeah. Now, how that expresses itself, th- there's a huge diversity of ways that we express liturgy. And I thought about this. And, and Jason, you can answer this one. What would you say to that listener out there right now? who's saying, well, our church doesn't doesn't have a liturgy. That's for Catholics. What would you say to that person?
1: I would say that you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're wrong. Um, no, you're right. Uh, in, my, in a very pastoral kind of way, of course. Yes. The, no, just kidding. The gentle um, you're wrong. Uh, uh, I, I would say that, you know, these liturgies, they're, they, it's anything that's been intentionally shaped or crafted or put together, uh, and maybe sometimes even unintentionally, uh, mm-hmm. because if you think about the flow of your church, um, the things that you do every week your likely your church has a specific order of worship uh, our, ours does we get it, we we have it printed out it goes to the people who are involved and uh, each of those things at least those elements of service are are part of the liturgy um, it, we don't call it that but it is um, it is those things and, and people people will know Uh, if you've deviated from that liturgy and call you on it. Like we, we, we come from a kind of a revivalistic tradition. And so uh, at a lot of services, there's um, um, an altar call, you know, you sing a song and pastor says, yes, I see that hand and, uh, or whatever. And that's been a very important part of the liturgy for a lot of churches in our denomination and our tradition. Right. Um, So you have a liturgy. Uh, you just need to be open to understanding what it is and what its intended aim is, uh, how that's going to shape you or help you to become more like Christ.
0: Yeah. And I even think too, like I, I've been a part of, um, a lot of this is, is parachurch ministry, college church ministry, things like that. And I remember having conversations, um, that essentially went something like, you know, well, you know, we don't want to get in a rut. We don't want to do the same thing, so let's let's change it up frequently, so that the people can be surprised and and be you know uh, challenged by this this new expression of of worship in some way. Um, basically, what we were saying was that we we don't want to have a prescribed liturgy of any kind. But even that that understanding is in many ways a prescribed liturgy right because it is an intentional engagement and in intentional kind of work uh, of the gathered people in response to something we see or believe in the character and nature of God in fact actually the only way that you could not have a liturgy in your church is if you're not responding to God if you're doing something and it's not in response to who God is or what's God doing then that wouldn't be a spiritual liturgy that would be a secular liturgy uh, which probably not what we want in our in our churches, although we might. Yeah,
1: especially since, and, and I think we talked about this last last week. Um, baseball games, the mall, They all they right. have liturgies, they all have their own liturgies, yeah, and they're formative in a in a specific way, and uh, and so the, if if we're serious about being the church and doing the church, you know, being who Christ has called us to be, then we have to shape our practices together, our work together to help us be transformed into the image of Christ. Right. If that's, if that's the goal of the church. Right. And liturgy helps so, some people liturgy... might say that's not the goal of the church. Some people might say the goal of the church is to save people from hell. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm not going to disagree. That's maybe not part of it, but it's not the totality of it. Either. Right. But that's also a type of,
0: cause you're doing that in response to something you see in the character and nature of God too. I mean, that, Correct. that also is a type of a liturgy. It's going to, it's going to result in a completely different style of service from, from
1: a, from, you know, other liturgies, but it, it is still a liturgy. Uh, now, you, you used a word in our notes, uh, another Latin word. We're all about the Latin. I never took any Latin, so you're going to have to explain it. Oh, I, uh, I can't
0: habitus. Even, I, <laughs> habitus. Habitus, yeah. That's yeah, you your fault. You brought that up last time. Was, was I habitus. did, I guess. Yeah. Where does that come from? Uh, you, um, you asked me see how see how that works. <laughs> you you asked me a question that I didn't really want to answer, so I flipped it back onto you because I know that you know the answer. I know I know you really want to answer that question.
1: Well, I, mean, I, I think it's it's a it's a practice. It's a it's a habit, right? That's I think where we get our word, right? And I first I first picked this up. I, I might have picked it up in college from from my professor there, but I think I really engaged it deeply from uh, James K. Smith and. Um, his work and desiring, desiring the kingdom, whatever. Something. Yeah. What's that? So, so that
0: people can follow us. There, there's a, that's a three book trilogy, like, the, yeah. like the Lord of the Rings, except for liturgists, right? <laughs> um, the, the three books are desiring the kingdom. Um, boy, we're going to, I'm going to put us on the spot here. We're going to have to Google it. I think as well,
1: we, we'll, we'll put the, we'll put the books links to them. Yeah, so you we'll, can them we'll on put Amazon it in the video. In, in, yeah. Uh, right. In the yeah, notes which there. will
0: really help those that are on, uh, <laughs> um, I've actually
1: only read the first two. I, I haven't, I haven't gotten around to the third one. Yeah,
0: you know, I just came out not too long ago. Um, last year, I think. The, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I'll, those I'll, habits
0: go ahead. You, you
1: talk, I'll pull it up and I'll have the names right. by the time you're done talking. Uh, those habits, and especially as Smith talks about them, they're um, they're things that we love, you know, and that shapes who we are, and and that what we love. Well, I think he would say what he love what we love shapes how we habit our life, the things that we we pattern, and so I, I think it it makes a lot of sense to talk about that in in relation to liturgy, because if if we truly are um, trying to love god with all our heart soul mind and strength and our neighbor as ourselves that's truly the direction that our love goes then uh that shapes our habits uh in very specific and intentional ways
0: right right so so the three book series and i've actually it's interesting none of us have read the same books because because i've read i haven't read desiring the kingdom um, it, it's part of a doctoral course that I was in where, where this was part of the curriculum they assumed that we had all read Desiring the Kingdom because they assumed we were conscientious learners that apparently was a mistake because no, no one in the class had actually read Desiring in the Kingdom so they assigned the newer book at that time Imagining the Kingdom which he goes into a lot of the same things um, that he does in Desiring the Kingdom from what I understand but he comes at it from more of a perspective of of the importance of imagination and and being able to to envision and picture what it is that we want or what God wants the kingdom you know to look like amongst us. And then the third one, I and this is the one that just came out not too long ago, I think, is uh Awaiting the King. Yeah. Uh yeah. And so that's the one I haven't read. I can't even talk about. If those those are those are some thick books. They're good books. I would I would highly recommend them to basically anyone from any traditions. Uh James K. A. Smith, the author of those um, has a very diverse background. So no matter what tradition you might be in, it, it will speak to you a little bit. A simpler version of that, that that engages with the idea of Habitus is You Are What You Love mm-hmm. that he wrote. And and that that's a book that I actually haven't read the whole uh, thing, but I included it in one of my, my research papers, and so I had to go through quite a bit of it. But but that's I another think, simple way to understand I think people will
1: learn that um, two things that you and I are very good at is starting books. Yes, talking
0: about books finishing. that we haven't really fully read. Yes, I, I'm extremely yeah. good at that.
1: And yeah. I don't know if that comes from our our schooling, uh what <laughs> we're engaged in right now, but probably so. Probably yeah. so. But but yeah, so I I, yeah. I think there's an important thing um regardless of, of where you are, what you what your church is like, take a moment at your next service and step back and say uh, what what is our liturgy? You know, chart it down. What does what does this element? What is its purpose? How does it shape us to be more like Christ? How does it reflect our love of Christ and love of neighbor? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, what what theological ideal? What concept? What important uh, aspect of grace and faith are we presenting when we do this? And yeah. are we are we reinforcing in our people when we when we do this action um, in response to? To God, and I think I, that's really you know if we talk about our own personal stories and our engagement with with our traditions, which are more revivalistic, evangelical in orientation. But as we, as as you, I know have, as I have explored, you know these these higher church liturgies and and even some what we've what we will call and are calling here folk liturgies. Right. You know, um, it's it's that that intentional aspect of them that can that can really Um, reinforce who God is and what God is doing in the life of of a gathered congregation which is what we're talking about now I think I think as we go along today we're going to talk about what this means in a church I think we we often think of liturgy as being a corporate thing but there's personal liturgies as well and those have just as much impact on our formation and on our congregations as as corporate ones yeah for sure uh do
1: we, do we want to share a little bit about where we've where we've come from I think first it would be, before I we think get into kind of personal ones? I, I think it would be helpful, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, since I asked it, I'll go first. There you're, we go. Yeah. Um so I, I grew up in Church of Nazarene. My my dad's an ordained minister in the Church of Nazarene. Actually, my mother is as well. Um for a good chunk of our childhood, my dad was a pastor and then he tried to be an evangelist and, and that didn't work, and so we attended a church uh, separately until I went off to college. And so like ours was a very, the church that we ended up going to, um, was a church like my mom grew up in and it was very kind of seeker sensitive in, in the height of that movement. Um, and by the time I got to be a senior in high school, junior, senior in high school, like I knew I was going to be a pastor and I began thinking about these things. And, and, uh, what was offered at church um, often let me left me feeling like there was so much, something, something so much more to be engaged in. And, um, I, I, I guess I was searching for something that would help me become the person that God was calling me to become and the, the habits and practices of that church while a really great church and, and some really wonderful people that had influenced me in really fantastic ways. Um, wasn't intentionally forming me to be the person that God, I think has called all of us to be, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I, I was exposed to um, corporate liturgy really in college. I, I got an internship at a church in Oklahoma city. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, I found what I was looking for. And, and these, uh, the service, even the personal liturgies that, that would come along, uh, and developing part of that uh, were just ginormous in their um, in their shaping me in in who i was and I found out like, you know, like that I had to be really intentional for myself i had to be i had to be disciplined in in my own self um, so as as i 've become a pastor I've, I've sought because these things have been so meaningful to me and so shaping shapeful I'm going to, I'm going to resist the, the the urge to use the word impactful because I hate it. Impactful. Impactful. I impactful. hate it. Impactful. Mm, anyway. You'll have to remember that. Uh, Throw that in there whenever I want to annoy you. Right.
0: And then I will lean in. Um, lean, I was going to say, I was, I was just, I was going to go there. <laughs>
1: lean into it, Jason. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Um, and because of those things were so transformative in my life, um, I want to share those things. Um Not just because of that, because I I believe they truly are, um, have the ability to shape us in our response to what God has done. Mm -hmm. Hmm. My, you know, my journey's um,
0: hodgepodge. It's very, very all over the place. Uh, Part of that is that we didn't really grow up sort of in a churched environment. Um, We went to church. We had a, there was a large Methodist church um, sort of in our neighborhood that a lot of the younger families in our, our neighborhood, in my school, at my sister's school. Uh, She was a little older than me. is why I say that junior high school, you know, that era that uh, they all sort of went to the same Methodist church. A lot of us did. My, My mom grew up Methodist. My dad grew up very rural Southern Baptist and had, had some negative experiences in that uh, environment, uh, very specific environment. I don't want to say I'm not meaning Southern Baptist was negative, but that specific church was not healthy for him. And so when my parents got married and they moved to Springfield, Missouri, since my mom was from a Methodist background, that's the, that's kind of the church they went to because their neighbors went to that church, which by the way is the way that usually happens is that relationship drives mm-hmm. most of our church connections these days, more so than theological background or style of music or style of liturgy, but which I think is important for us to keep in mind. But but that church was a traditional Methodist church, and it, it, you know, it's hard for me to remember because I was young and we didn't go very often. But I, I think it was what I would consider to be now more of a high church environment than than what I experienced in my theological formation in, in seminary and in, in college. Um, and so we stood, we received communion in a certain way, we sang hymns, we had responsive readings, we had a scripture reading. There was a sermon. It was usually brief. Uh, maybe maybe fifteen to twenty minutes, not these long thirty to forty five minute you know things. My that, kind of sermon. Yeah, right. That uh, so more common now in the Church of the Nazarene where we are. Um, so I came out of that and and sort of got a call to ministry in that environment. But what what attracted me to the church there um, was this um, relationship that I had with the rest of the people around me. So so we um, went to church, but then it was our youth group. Um, That really kind of helped form me and and Mm push me in the direction of of a call to ministry. And that was a much more, you know, um, uh, folky style. Liturgy, where, where yeah, we played games, we sang songs, we did funny things, we, we, you know, ate nachos, and, and then there was a, a very relevant, fun teaching. And, and so I kind of came out of my formative years in high school thinking, oh, that's what I want. I want a church like that. Not this big high church stuffy thing that the adults go, but I want, I want relaxed, I want fun, I want engaged. You want youth
1: group for adults. Youth
0: group for adults. Hey, that's, that's exactly what. And so, especially when I was first engaging with my call to ministry, I was like, I have to be a youth pastor because, you know i can't possibly go to that stuffy adult thing well then i became an adult. <laughs> i became an adult and um and not so much and and also i so i was an associate pastor for about 10 years in in a very contemporary seeker style church um we very intentionally went about that deep because our goal was to get people saved and try to grow the church as big as we could and so coming out of that planting and restarting a church of our own here in cape Girardeau, i kept feeling like there was there was just more uh, kind of similar to your story, and it wasn 't just like more that I wanted to feel God more, and it really wasn 't it. It was just that there was a rich a richness, a depth that we were lacking every every week it felt like everything about our sermon or our service pushed towards this sermon, and that had to be this big climactic moment where I Think about the pressure that this puts on us as pastors, where I share the word of God from the throne of God and convict the people with my precise words and my altar call and my special music. And especially in that environment, when we were restarting a church, we had very few people. It was extremely difficult to create that kind of revivalistic, right? That's the background we are, revivalistic environment when you've got, you know, a, a, I think at the time an, an 80-year-old piano player. And a couple singers and me on the guitar and, and me with no experience in that kind of thing. I was 30-year-old pastor, didn't know what I was doing, coming from a seeker church growth environment. So, um, so yeah, I began to explore the ideas of, of high church liturgies. I began to look at those things. I began to wonder what would it be like if I, like John Wesley, our tradition again, received communion on a weekly basis. How crazy would that be? That would be, that would be nuts. And it um, wouldn't be special. It wouldn't be special. Ooh, yeah, I, I I said that, and then learned more, and then fought against that. Well, we'll probably do. I'm I'm sure we will do a whole episode or a series of episodes on communion and the specialness of receiving it every <laughs> every time we gather, or, or or something like that. But but uh, yeah, it was that desire to take my people to a new place and to kind of break them from the mold that they were in in revivalism and kind of let them see that the word of God is living and active and alive in every part of our lives. And, um, and we can all engage in that instead of being from me to you through the Holy spirit.
1: I, I think I know you well enough to say that take your, when you say take your people somewhere, mm-hmm. it is not in a, uh, a guru or, <laughs> no. right. You, you know, like a, no. an intentional, no, like a, a professorial kind of thing. It is a, uh, First among pilgrims, kind of deal. Uh, absolutely, right. learning yeah. learning as as yeah. we go and, and discovering. Yeah, and that,
0: and that really became my attitude. Instead of this attitude that I need to entertain my people and bring them some sort of, you know, wisdom and truth this week, it, it became more about this is what God's doing. Like my sermons do, this is what God is doing in my life right now. Yeah, and what's God doing in your life? Can we share this together? in a corporate environment. Uh, And then how do we respond to that? Does it really require an altar call every week? Uh, Maybe, but maybe the proper response is us remembering uh, and giving thanks to God and receiving again, the fullness of his grace in this posture of communion. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a lot to flush out. I mean, I, you know, I could talk for hours about our journey and then, then, then our studies come into that, but but, and we will over the course of time, but it's been a long process. God has brought me through to where, to be where we are today.
1: Just, this is, this might be off topic. You, you, you pointed to the pressure on the pastor for the sermon. Right. And, and that's, I mean, that's a very specific liturgy. Yeah. Uh, part in our tradition. uh and you, you talked about, uh, how you shifted and you began to understand it as, um, you know, inviting people into understanding what God is doing in your life together. I, I wonder if, if the pressure that that pastors feel because they feel like, you know, they've got this one shot. Yeah. If that doesn't contribute significantly to the kind of moral failures that we've seen more recently, yeah. uh, certainly to burnout. I mean, that's no, there's no question there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it, it becomes a better way of pastoring uh, a more sustainable, a healthier way of um, being in and, you know, in and with and for our congregations.
0: I I think so. And I, I, you know, I know that a lot of people approach it in different ways and I have a lot of respect for that. And a lot of us have different giftings too. I I wouldn't say that revivalistic uh, preaching is my, my gift area, you know, now, we've, I've got an associate pastor here that works with a part-time vocational, and, and that is more his area. So we, we have sort of a nice dynamic going there. But for me, it was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I work best when I'm kind of doing what we're doing today. I'm just sharing from my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously on a Sunday morning, you know, that comes out of like, for example, this week I'm preaching out of Romans chapter 14. So it's Romans chapter 14. But it's what God has spoken to me. You know, in my and we, you know, we're going to have a little bit of time to deal with this today, but I think it's going to have to be a separate episode, several episodes in my personal liturgy, in my personal discipline of engaging with God and exploring the scriptures and praying through the course of the week. This is what Romans 14 has spoken to me. And, yeah. and so this is what I'm now sharing with you. And I think about like a traditional sermon structure. Sometimes that has a really great illustration. Sometimes it has a story. Sometimes it has a video piece. But often it's just me saying this is what the word says. And I had to get to the point where I was okay with that. And I had to also, you know, in saying I'm okay with that, understand that the whole rest of the liturgy that we're offering to our people and that us as a people are walking through is enough. It's sufficient. Yeah. It's intentional yeah. in such a way that my sermon does not have to be the best sermon ever preached on every given week for the people to hear from God. Or that mm-hmm. our, my music, I play guitar, my wife sings, we have a worship team, that our music has to be the absolute best that anyone's ever seen for them to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Once I got rid of that pressure, I was like, this is what we're intentionally doing every week and it will form us into the people of God. Boy, I relaxed. Yeah. And and I, <laughs> I can just feel it now. I'm like, right, Yeah it's, it's almost like all of this depends upon the grace of God and it's our faith in response to him.
1: Imagine that. How crazy is that sound? Yeah. Well, and, and and it allows you to be authentically you and it allows you to be open and relational with, with folks. Isn't that crazy though? Think about what you just said that a, a
0: intentional liturgy to some extent in my, in our case, a prescribed liturgy that we're attempting to follow is freedom yeah is liberty boy i uh 22 year old me would have scoffed at that i just absolutely laughed that away but 20 years later boy here i am
1: i think i i, I think that's that's i think that's really profound it, it is uh it's freedom
0: yeah and we probably don't have a whole lot of time today, but I think what we've done today, and, and we've got a few minutes left, but but is that we we're attempting to introduce what the, the bigger picture around this idea of liturgy and how it kind of has impacted our lives. I think it would be really useful for us in future episodes, um, maybe soon, to kind of sit down and walk through what that looks like in our own context and how that's changed over the years. Because some of you out there probably aren't familiar with what we what we would say is a revivalistic church. Model what a Church of the yeah. Nazarene model would be in a typical church, and I honestly am probably not all that familiar with with what happens in a, in a in a more high church model with a Lutheran church uh or with even that that traditional Methodist church that I attended back when I was in in grade school, yeah, 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 <laughs> lots of things to talk about, lots of things to talk yeah. about, but you know and and with just a few minutes left, one of the things that I think is important for us to to say is that this doesn't just apply to our
1: corporate gatherings right it's it's personal and just just a brief example for my life um and it kind of combines the two so i we i didn't do lent growing up at all Mm. and or or really any of the the church seasons maybe advent because everybody loves
0: loves christmas yeah
1: Right. Yeah. So have you sing um, Christmas
0: songs at Advent instead of Advent songs during anyway, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um that's
1: been a that's been a, a journey <laughs> yeah. for us. Right. Yeah. We uh, we're we, we there. still
0: do. We we haven't fought that battle. There's no yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh well I mean I got I get introduced to Lent, and which is which is corporate, right? It it's a corporate time of confession and repentance and and preparation for the death of Christ at Easter and, and the resurrection, all that happens there. Um but I encountered it in, in colleges this way. That it's like, this is something that that's part of my own personal kind of ordinary liturgy. Uh, it's something that I, I do um, that's still connected with what the larger church is doing, but that has tremendous uh, transformative abilities in my own life. And I, I would go so far as to say that I am still a Christian, little uh, alone a pastor Because of of Lent Mm. and the intentional time of of sacrifice, of prayer and confession, and we're not talking like on my knees seven hours a day. uh, Great, you know, I gave up radio in my car or you know coffee, which was just absolutely terrible. Mm. Mm. Um, But it's it's amazing how those simple things created space and time for me to confess and repent and, and pray and ask Christ how, how, you know, in what ways I am not like you, you know, yeah. ask, asking that question uh, and having some of that revealed to me. And it, it allows me then to go back into the church to participate in the, in the corporate liturgy right. in, a, in a fuller way. Right.
0: And I think, I think if there's one takeaway from this, it's, it's intentionality, right? Intentional right. being intentional in the way that we create, the work of our people uh, in a corporate setting, in response to who God is and what God's doing, um, and then our own personal lives as well, being intentional in the way that we work as pastors um, in the office with our pastor hat on, but also in our families and in our communities, in response to who God is and what God's doing.
1: Yeah, you you, you get what you, you get out what you put in yeah. for those kinds of things. So if if you can structure, you can have the most beautiful high church liturgy or even low church liturgy, whatever. And if you don't explain to your folks why it is you're doing what you're doing
0: yeah,
1: how it's transformative or or the hope that we have for it to be transformative, then it just becomes, it becomes an exercise, which I I won't discount just doing the exercise for exercise. to that. Yeah. James Gassman has some
0: things to say about that, that, that shook me up for a while. I was still thinking about it, but
1: yeah. Th- there have been there have been seasons, especially in Lent, where I have not I've not felt anything. Yeah. Right. But I've given myself to that liturgy. And I'm always different on the other side yeah. like, I- I- in a positive way.
0: Yeah. Well, I think today I think we've done a, a good job. You might disagree, listener, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've done a good job of introducing this topic. And especially, you know, here we are, episode two, of season one. We're not going to be able to dig down to the to the bottom level of liturgy, and we've got so much more to explore. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think things I want to talk to talk about in the future is is yeah. First of all, what does that look like in our context? I, I want to give you guys that are out there listening to this a picture of how we've not only journeyed through this. We talked about that, but what that looks like in our church now compared to how our churches were. Um, mm-hmm. But then also like strategies to implement this because in both of our contexts, we've both implemented. Um, aspects of of the book of common prayer of lectionary preaching and 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 other things like that into an environment that was um sort of by its nature um anti those things and so so how we walk through that how we how we brought that kind of change to our congregation and then what that has meant for us because for us it is it has had a huge impact now i've got some great stories i can share um for that but but you know, for, for another episode, we got, a, we got a lot yeah. to cover. There's almost like there's a lot to
1: cover in this idea of, of liturgy and mission. <laughs> I think so. And I, I think we're going to find it. The more we go into this, we're probably going to, you know, draft outlines for what we're going to do. And we're going to not get to the end of it. Cause there's just, there's so much, there's there. so much there, so much there.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today, and um, if if you like this, you know, uh, click that five-star review. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever it is that you're listening. I think we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, hopefully on Spotify too. Uh, If you want to watch, you can watch us on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Just search for Sacred and Small, and and it will pull up, and you can like like and subscribe. um, Before we go, can
1: I I share my favorite corporate liturgy story? Sure. Really? really quick. So it was in college. And uh, so part of our our tradition has been uh, like Sunday night testimony. Did you ever? Oh, yeah. part of that people get up and be able to like, tell what God's doing in their life. And Absolutely. I was in college. Yeah. So I was a youth intern. So I'm sitting with a bunch of teenagers. Remarkable, even in the day that teenagers would come to Sunday night church, but we hung out afterwards. So it was fun. And this little old lady gets up. And she says, she goes to the microphone, and she says, I want to thank I want to thank God because God spelled backwards is dog. <laughs> yeah, right. And I don't know what the reaction of the rest of the congregation was, but I about peed myself. And, uh, I think all of the teenagers that we were with did too. And, uh,
0: she loved her dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i bless her. She's probably gone on to be safe with Jesus, but, uh, that is my that is my favorite story from any kind of liturgy, high or low, personal or corporate
0: wow, wow yes yes um well, with that um <laughs> <laughs> we say goodbye and uh we'll we'll see you here uh in a few weeks, like we said, like and subscribe and and share this with your friends as well, and try to get the word out so we can have more of this conversation We, we yeah. like to talk together, but we like to talk to others uh as well, so yeah. Jason, grace and peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Yep. Have a great week. See you later.